0: Currently, I'm a college instructor, and I've designed the Bullyproof Classroom, a graduate course that provides my students with permanent help, not temporary relief, as they battle a bullying epidemic. Today, we're going to be talking about the difference between feelings and emotions. I don't feel like doing it. I've heard kids say this more than once. And you know, the the truth be known, if they waited until they felt like doing it, they'd never do it. And that's the truth. And oftentimes we get driven by our feelings, but oftentimes we get our feelings confused with our emotions. Feelings are a very fleeting feeling that you get. You may have felt slighted. You may have felt like someone wasn't listening to you. You may have felt some way, you know, where you just felt a little bit sad at the time. You weren't happy. Happy is based on the word happens. Situationally, if things happen right for us, we're happy. If they don't happen right for us, well, we're unhappy. And there are a variety of different emotions that we have, and sometimes we can get them confused with feelings. And I think it's a good idea in this show to go over some of the feelings, and some of the emotions. And I want us to be clear on something here. We have a responsibility in five areas. We are responsible for our thoughts, our words, our actions, our attitudes and our motives five areas and what we're going to talk about here is our thoughts if you go back into the episodes that I've done in anti bullying 101 you're going to find a um, five shows and they're going to be labeled responsible thoughts words actions attitudes motives go listen to them and you'll and you'll discover what I'm talking about because The first level of responsibility that we have is our thoughts. Those thoughts belong to us. We own them. They were developed, cultivated, and harvested by us. And we may have been given information by someone else, like our parents, as it usually is, that plants a seed In our brain. And this happens all before the age of five. That's why some kids when they come to kindergarten are out of control. They already look depressed. They almost need pediatric Prozac. Because their parents have planted a seed in their brain. You're clumsy. You're no good. Why did you do that? Hypercritical. All over the kid. Get over here. Do this. Do, And you know, I'm not saying that you know, we have to coddle a kid and make him feel good all the time but what I am saying is when we work with a kid we have to have a level of compassion and understanding when we deal with him in terms of discipline because if we're all over him all the time the private logic that the kid's going to develop in his head at the age of five is I'm no good then he goes to school feeling good before you know it they think the kid's depressed and slowly that That seed that that parent planted starts to grow and and the window closes on it. That's known as a window of opportunity. It closes. And the social emotional window um, of opportunity closes around the age of five. So kids come to school and they're a wreck already. Now, if those thoughts are not rearranged, you know, when they're little, which doesn't take a lot of work if you know how to deal with a kid, by the time they hit adulthood, those little seeds have become redwood trees in, in a person's mind. And their self concept and self esteem is off the charts low. That means you have to have somebody break that glass and go in there and rearrange the thoughts because the person's confidence level is through the toilet. He doesn't have any uh, ability to manage relationships. Maybe he can't hold a job. Maybe if he has kids, he's he's all over them. He may be an alcoholic. He may be addicted. We don't know, but it all started with the thoughts. What? The person is thinking and how those thoughts grew. And then you have to get rid of them when you're older because that's when you realize it. Whoa. Then we start blaming our parents. We start blaming our upbringing. Well, you know, when you get into therapy and it's like, don't play those old tapes. It is so hard to change the older you get. That's why if you can deal with a kid and work with a kid, if you can recognize some of the emotions that a kid has and understand that there's feelings attached to it and the thoughts that he has come from somewhere, you might be able to help him avoid some of that. As Gandhi said, it's easier to build a boy than to mend a man. And that's what we're after here. But there are negative emotions and they're in categories and i have them here and it's an interesting piece you have five different categories and i'm and i'm going to go over the categories and they're not that not that complicated but then i'm going to go over with you okay the thoughts that are associated with some of these negative emotions first category sadness This is where you can feel depressed, despair, sometimes you feel hopeless. Second category, anxiety. Now, anxiety is nothing more than fearing the future. Fearing what you don't know. Fearing the unknown. That's anxiety. Well, nobody knows what's going on. And sometimes we can become so anxious about something that by the time it passes, we don't even know what we were nervous or anxious about. By the way, our brain cannot differentiate, differentiate between real and imagined. So the more negative thoughts that you have, your brain's living those negative thoughts. Is that amazing? So by the time you go through with an event that you've had negative thoughts about, however many times you thought about it, your brain has lived through that negative event hundreds of times based on your thought process. That's why thoughts and imaging about success works. Because your brain can't differentiate between real and imagined. And as far as your brain goes, you've already completed an event, whether it be athletic event, test event, a job interview, whatever. You've completed it already and you've succeeded and you haven't even done it yet. But the more thinking you do about being successful, the more successful you will become. And that's just the way it is. That's organic. That's natural. Next one, anger. Now, here's an interesting piece and I want us to be aware of it. Anger is an emo is a feeling. I feel angry today. You might be irritated, you might be frustrated, whatever. But if there are events that have occurred in your life that have made you feel angry that have been left unresolved, that anger translates into bitterness and that bitterness is something that you carry with you and you end up reacting to similar situations in a much more angry way than you did if it was just anger and you resolved it because you what you're happening is is you're seeing a similar situation come upon you that made you angry that was left unresolved. Unresolved conflict is the worst place to be, especially with family members, close friends, ex wives, ex husbands. You have to resolve things. Let me explain something to you. If you were to get married, let's go back another step. You come out of a home where you had unfinished business with your parents you had unresolved conflict with your mother what will happen is you will enter into a relationship with another woman and you'll have to finish this you'll have to finish that conflict you will use the existing relationship to finish that, re- finish the unresolved conflict that you have with your mother. Why? Because probably you're so intimidated by your mother that you can't deal with it. So what do you do? You try to resolve it with somebody else and that doesn't work. That's why people who have tough relationships with mom or dad, they could run through two or three marriages. Next one, guilt. Guilt. You do something, you feel guilty about it. And then you have shame and embarrassment. And shame is a a tough place to be. Because as you start to feel ashamed of yourself for things that you have done that you may have felt guilty for, that shame you carry with you and it's almost as if you emotionally abuse yourself. And that's a scary place. So we have them. Sadness, anxiety, anger, guilt, shame, and embarrassment. Now let's take a look at some of the thoughts that could develop because of these negative emotions. Remember, feelings are fleeting. Feelings will go away. Emotions will stick if in fact you can you were hurt, hurt by someone you developed a feeling you have unresolved conflict now that emote that that feeling grows into an emotion and gets bigger and bigger and when you think about that window of opportunity and the private logic that little kids develop You could only manage. You could only imagine. They got their feelings hurt. Kids will always say, you hurt my feelings. But if that hurt feeling doesn't get resolved, those emotions grow. That grows into an emotion that sometimes can be unmanageable. So, person said, some of the thoughts that they may have would be self-critical, pessimistic, or thoughts of failure. Why not have thoughts of success? You see that's the thing. You if you're sad, you don't have a place to go. You are down. You have such you may be critical of yourself. You may see the glass half empty. You may have the, the idea that you're gonna fail. But the bottom line is if this emotion was not allowed to go that far and you kept it as a feeling, you wouldn't be in this position, you wouldn't feel. See, that's why our thoughts are the most important thing that we own and we have to control them because thoughts lead to actions And um, thoughts lead to words and words lead to actions. And then actions lead to crummy attitudes that we have. And we do many things with the wrong motive. Some thoughts associated with anxiety. This is what a person could be thinking. So ask yourself if you're thinking of it. And if you're a teacher, try to get into the head of your kid. You see, because if a kid comes into school sad, you might be able to talk to him about how he feels about himself. And if he comes in anxious, you'll have a general understanding that he's worried about the future and you can at least get to him and help him. And then there's with anxiety, you also have thoughts of threat, risk of danger. All of that goes back to, if you are in a classroom with these kids, what your school climate is like. Kids can be anxious in a school climate, in a classroom climate, because they're afraid of being bullied. They're afraid of failing. They may have a a fear of ridicule. They may fear leaving the classroom and going to the lunchroom and having trouble with another kid in the lunchroom. That just is one of the reasons why anxiety is such a problem in our schools today, because of the fact that we our climate is not what it should be, and the people talk about the climate all the time. But what I'm suggesting here is that climate comes in from the outside, because there's a more negativity on the outside of that classroom than there is going on on the inside. You only have to turn the news on for, to recognize negative stuff and negative things that can go on in a family with fighting and arguing and divorce and alcoholism. All of that, okay, can lead to the thoughts of threat or risk of danger. So we have to recognize you said the kid, someone might say, the kid has an anxiety problem. Well, it's because of what he's thinking. So we got to get in and help him with his thoughts. Anger. Thoughts of having been harmed or having been treated unfairly. Thoughts of rules being broken. Now, you also have should thoughts in here. Should thoughts are ba- I should do this. I should do that. I should. Should thoughts. Okay. We have to be careful when we recognize this. Now they call it a, a emotion here. I'm going to say anger. It's a feeling. It's a feeling. And we got to be careful and help this kid make sure that those feelings don't turn into bitterness. We want to help him keep. The feelings where they are which are temporary. We don't want them to become permanent because once that happens. His life could be unmanageable. Then you have guilt. And thoughts of harm. Maybe you hurt somebody else's feelings. Maybe you did something that goes against your own morals you know kids in school are forced to do things all the time that are may not be within their own belief system and then you have a sense of responsibility for a negative outcome in homes where there's alcoholism or addiction and there's negative outcomes going on all the time because of the of the uh, mindset of the alcoholic or the addict What happens is everybody else gets blamed. It used to happen to me. My father would drink, you know. But the bottom line is if he left the house and I had it, and my mother would always have me go with him. And if he drank while I was with him, it was my fault. And I'm 10 years old. I should have stopped him. The level of responsibility that I had at a young age was too high. I couldn't manage it. And oftentimes, kids in alcoholic environments are given levels of responsibility that are not appropriate and they're not intended to be theirs. But because you... And you go right back to an episode, Parents Need Parenting. Go back to that. And you'll see what I'm talking about. Too often, kids are expected to do too much in a home because the parents don't know what they're doing. And they're given too many responsibilities for other children making dinners. I mean, the list goes on. And parents need parenting. And the last one that we have is shame or embarrassment. This is merely a fear of failure and worrying that others others are going to judge their flaws or mistakes in a negative way. And this is almost crazy. This is something. And when you think about our last podcast, when I was talking about those two girls who were um, lesbian in London who were beat up on the bus unmercifully. Here was a five kids, five boys, fifteen, and I think I said they were ten in the last podcast. They were between the ages of fifteen and eighteen. Beats them up because of what they saw as flaws. Or mistakes. Which is crap. We all know it. But I will say this. If someone has a lifestyle that's not accepted by their immediate family, that shame and embarrassment could kick in. That's why you have children. You need to accept your kids where they are. You don't want your kids to hurt themselves and you're going to help them make good judgments and so on. But their decisions are theirs and you don't create shame, you don't embarrass them because of their lifestyle, their job, their friends, or the way they dress. And if they're doing something that's inappropriate, go and get them the help. Or help them deal with some of it. And if if in fact they refuse it and they want to continue, what you have to do at certain points is let go. These are some thoughts that are associated with negative emotions. But I want us to completely understand the difference between feelings and emotions as well. Feelings are fleeting. They come and go. Emotions stick. And however long you want to dwell on a feeling that you have about a situation, a person, or any type of... um, event that occurred in your life that will determine how angry you're going to get about certain things or how anxious you're going to get or how sad you're going to get and if you're a teacher and you're listening to this podcast do me a favor listen to it well take some notes and help your kids deal with feelings and emotions that are in your classroom and if you're an adult at this point in your life and you're not dealing with feelings and emotions correctly, start to identify them a little bit better and try to determine where these emotions came from. And if they came from an, uh, an event or a point in your life that was between you and significant others, by that I mean mother, father, or another spouse, or whatever the case may be, or a spouse, not another one. Maybe you've had two wives or husbands. I don't know. But oftentimes stuff comes from past events that we have to learn how to manage. So be aware of that. Be aware of it in your own life, and help your kids deal with it in their lives. My name is Jim Burns. Thank you for listening to Anti Bullying One Hundred and One. In this episode, in this in the episode description, I'm going to put a link to a free unit on resiliency you just have to click on it and you'll get a free unit on resiliency download it you'll love it, it's great there's digital stuff in there there's activities, there's character building stuff in there, it's tremendous so all you gotta do is go to the episode description, click on it, bang you got it alright, that's one thing, go to my website bullyproofclassroom.com great stuff there too Buy something. It's not going to hurt you. It's digital. It might cost between 6 and $8, which we could spend that at McDonald's if we wanted to. Buy something that's going to be useful for you in the coming school year. It'll help. If you like these podcasts, send them around to other people. If you go to iTunes, rate the show. That would be great. So, there you have it. That's today's episode of Anti Bullying 101. If you're going to listen, if when you listen to it, please go to the episode description to get your free gift. My name is Jim Burns. Thank you once again for listening to Anti Bullying 101.